0: If you have your Bible, would join me in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30 would be the pericope for our sermon um, this afternoon. If you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God? Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Hear now the Word of God. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that by God. For it is granted that. It is greater to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have the word of God for the people of God. Would you join me in prayer? Father, there is no preaching without praying and there is no preaching without your Holy Spirit. So, Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. Mold me, shape me, so that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, will be acceptable into your sight. O Lord, my rock, my Savior, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As my son being a witness, uh, you may be seated. I want to preach this afternoon from this subject. It's a battleground, not a playground. It's a battleground, not a playground. There's this philosophy, especially in the New Age, where we believe, or we are led to believe that, you know, Christianity is like cupcake. Whatever flavor you want, um, however you want to bake it, um, it's as if God is your own personal Santa Claus, and God is sitting there, whatever you wish to happen, and God makes it happen. And there's a sense when it comes to the Christian life, we do not teach our children, we do not teach our young people, we do not teach our old folks that the Christian life is not a playground. A playground is where I take my kids so they play. They get on the swing and they play, they have fun. And don't get me wrong, there are times in life where you will have those moments. But in this Christian life, when you get when you accept Christ as your savior, you did not sign up for a playground field trip. You sign up for a battleground. And this battleground is simply this. Here it is. Hear me now. Hear me well. Christ already won the victory. We have a defeated enemy who's still being a a pest. But praise be to God that I feel like preaching right there, that Jesus, that the moment he got up, we got victory. And so therefore, we have an enemy who's still coming to remind us or they're trying to oppose God's kingdom agenda in our lives, trying to tell us that, no, no, you are not good enough or you're not supposed to be there or you messed up way too much. But no, 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 what I'm saying to you, this is what you need to understand for you to get into this, not playground, but into this battleground. And here it is, Chip Ingram put it this way. He says, you ain't fighting to win. You're fighting from a winning position already. So so you're not fighting to win as a Christian, guess what? As long as you cocktail on Jesus Christ, you're you a winner. You 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 know, just like in basketball, there's a lot of people who play with LeBron James. Or they play with Michael, you know, Michael Jordan for for my generation, for your generation, LeBron James. They they cocktail with him for what? For a championship. People play with Steph Curry for a championship, but Steph Curry is cur- carrying them, LeBron James is carrying them. What I'm saying to you is this, for us, we are on the undefeated team, on the winning team, and all you got to do is to believe in Christ Jesus. Now, as we talk about this Christian life, not a playground but a battleground, but he- watch this. In the book of Philippians, in the first sermon that I preach in the first Sunday of the year, we talk about fellowship. Fellowship uh, um, in the body of Christ, in the first 11 verses, you see that when you become sons, you become sons and daughters, you are in fellowship with God. And, and then we see last week, we saw last week that as you try for the advancement of the gospel, for the advancement of the cause of Christ, then you are servants of Christ. When you are serving Christ, you are, uh, Paul said this, I am a servant, I'm enchained for the cause of Christ. We saw that last week. If you, if, you did not, if you missed that sermon, just go on YouTube. It's right there. So we see that we are servants of Christ. Here at the conclusion of chapter 1, Paul said, no, no, no. Now you, you, you graduated from servants. You're now soldiers. Um, nobody joined the army to go on vacation. You joined the army to fight. And here in our text, Paul is saying that the believer that we talk about with the mindset that, that that moving with the advancement of the gospel, that believer can have joy even in the midst of battle. Spiritual battle you can still have joy. And the problem is what is happening we have a lot of people telling you that well, you can't have joy because you are fighting. No, no. Because you know whose you are, because you know where you stand, because you know that the victory is already won, even though the, de- the devil comes, you can still have justice because you tell him, guess what, you've already been defeated. And, and here, Paul, and the three verses that, that we read this afternoon, Paul is telling them, I want you to think this, as soldiers, you are soldiers defending the faith of the gospel. And, and Jude put it best, the faith wants delivered to the sense." That's one of Al Mola's favorite sayings, "The faith wants delivered to the sense." So in other words, the faith that we have, we ought to defend that faith, And, and defending that faith makes us go into battle, into battle with the enemy. And so, so now, the enemy's job is to try to steal the joy that you have in Christ and paul who had met the enemy in philippi and now was facing the enemy in rome and and so therefore paul is saying to them watch out the enemy can come to rob your joy but the enemy cannot steal your joy it's only it can only take your joy if you let him and 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 so therefore we have to make sure that we get the right theology in order for us to combat the devil. With wrong theology, you're gonna lose. With right theology, you're, gonna, you're always gonna win. See, the problem is most of us have a feeling theology how I feel, but not a knowing theology. A knowing theology is factual theology. A feeling theology is based on how I feel. I feel like chicken and rice after church. If it's legume, I may not like it. But, but see, what I know, no matter how I feel, Jesus still reigns. And because he does, I have the victory. And, and Paul, and I'm going to get to the text in a moment, and Paul is saying this our behavior is predicated upon what we believe. You behaved the way you behave is determined by what you believe. You ever see a kid who have tantrum? It's based on what they believe. They believe if they have the tantrum, their parents are going to respond. But if you go to old Asian, you have a tantrum, you believe there's going to be some pow-pow you don't have the no potential in no public way because you're not going to embarrass your parents because you know they're going to embarrass your bottom. Now, this is not physical abuse or anything like that, but this is just a fact. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So, so then, how can a group of Christians fight this enemy? Well, Paul simply said this, um, the word of God in prayer suffice. Uh, um, whenever we get to the book of Philippians, we'll, we'll study warfare in Philippians. But Paul says word of prayer, word of God in prayer. And we must depend on the Holy Spirit to give us the power that we need. But, but an army must first fight together. And this is what Paul sent to the, to the church in Philippi. And here, and three, three um, key essential things Paul brings, and we're going we're gonna to see how to protect the faith, how, how to fight. Number one, for this to happen, you have to have consistency. Let the church say consistency. And, 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 and watch this, watch this. And, and the first part, Paul says, conduct yourselves. It, it's in the next, next slide. You see the verse, the, the first part of the verse. Paul says, conduct yourselves. And, and here, the word used could refer to discharging the obligation of a citizen. Because Philippi held the privileged status of a, woman, uh, of a woman colony, its citizens understood the responsibility associated with citizenship. Paul here commended them, and this is the first commitment in the book of Philippi- Philippians, to shift their perspectives from the earthly realm to the heavenly one. They should live in this world as citizens of another world um, the heavenly kingdom, their conduct should reflect where they're from. Now you, you, you think, uh, I'm making this up. Let me illustrate this for you. Um, and, and a man in the army of Alexander the Great, who was also named Alexander, um, this man was accused of cowardly actions. He was brought before the great Alexander, um, who asked him a simple question. What is your name? The men reply softly, Alexander. Alexander Great says, What is your name? I cannot hear you. The man says Alexander. He says, What is your name? He says Saint Louder. The man says Alexander. He says, What is your name? The man says, Alexander. Alexander Great kept asking him, What is your name? The man says, Alexander! Alexander! Then you know what Alexander says. It says either you change your name or you change your conduct. If your name is a Christian, if you bury the Christian name, (laughs) either you change your name or you fix your conduct. Because a Christian behaves as if they are not from here, because they from a different planet. I don't know about you, but I I love this illustration Tony Evans used. It says this: We are ambassadors. You, 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 you know ambassadors, um, when you are an ambassador, you don't, you don't live in your home country. You get dispatched, dispatched to another country. You get sent to be the representative of your government in a foreign land. And here's the good news, the piece of land where the embassy finds itself is not considered to be the homeland of the country where you are. No, it's not. It's considered to be the soil of your home country. In other words, even though you are in a foreign land where you are belongs to where you come from. (laughs) I wish I had a witness this afternoon. In other words, you come from heaven because you are a heavenly citizen. So you ought to behave like you come from a different planet. You cannot behave the same way like the world is. No wonder we have a world that's looking at our inconsistencies and refuse our faith. Because we ain't conducting right. You, you know your mouth ain't right. Your body ain't right. And I'm not talking about what you do outside your body. I'm talking about what you do inside of your body. We have to conduct ourselves in a matter worthy of that. So you have to ask yourself this question. Am I conducting myself in a manner worthy of the gospel? Th- that is a good question for us to ask ourselves regularly. It's a way to check yourself. Am I conducting myself, myself in a way worthy of the gospel? Um, there's this poem by this unknown order. Uh, um, uh, um, uh, um, other, who said this? Uh, um, this is what it says. I put it down. It says, "You are." Um, we must never forget that the world around us knows only the gospel that it sees in our lives. This is what he writes. This is what the author writes, um, wrote. It says this, you are writing a gospel chapter each day. By the deeds that you do and the words that you say, men read what you write, whether faithful or true, just, What is the gospel according to you? What is the gospel according to you? People may not see a Bible, but they see you. When they see you, is your Bible speaking of Jesus' love? When they see you, is your chapter speaking about God's compassion? When they see you, is your chapter speaking about God's forgiveness? When they see you, is your chapter speaking about God's grace? When they see you, is your chapter speaking about God's mercy? When they see you, is your chapter speaking about God's second coming? When they see you, is your chapter speaking about God's judgment? When they see you, is your chapter speaking about God's love for this world that needs to know that? I don't care your age, you're writing a chapter. And the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. And the good news is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. Now, now the good old Baptists, when they say Jesus died on the third day, people do seven laps around the church. Because you have a risen Savior, your behavior must reflect that he is risen. To many of us, our behavior, put it like that, as if Jesus is still in the tomb no, Paul says to the church in Philippi conduct yourselves I love that saying conduct yourselves knowing that you, you behave in a certain way um, I often said this to my son what is your last name? what is your last name? I don't care what everybody else do everybody and their mama they can do whatever they want but you have a different last name your last name is my last name which is my father's last name you better watch it boy that's what I tell them. And, and so, so you have to think about it. My last name doesn't, may not mean much, but what I'm saying to you, the fact that you have the suffix, suffix Christian and you, that has that, that is, that is to change your mindset. Because you as a Christian, you're not living for you. You are, you are to conduct yourself in a way that is worthy of the gospel. Um, this pastor wrote this illustration says, we have some neighbors who believe in a false gospel. Uh, um, uh, the pastor with this illustration says uh, uh, a church member came to him and said we have some neighbors who believe um, in a false gospel and, and, and the pastor said do you have some literature I can uh, the member says do you have some literature I can give them um, the pastor said open, your, open his bible to 2nd 2 Corinthians 2 um, 3, It says, this is what it says this is what the verse says you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts known and read by everyone he said the best literature in the world is no substituted for your own let them see Christ and your behavior and this will open up opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them let them see Christ and you can the world see Christ and your behavior Can the world see Christ when you're at work? Can they see Christ at your school? Can they see Christ on your social media? Can they see Christ in your relationship? Can they see it? Can they see him? Your greatest weapons against the devil is not a good sermon by me, or by Dave, or by Pastor Clever, or by anybody. It's a godly life. A godly life. Not only we see that we must be consistent But the second part Paul talks about here in the text, talks about teamwork. Watch what Paul says in the second part of um, verse 27. Then whether I come to see you, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm and one spirit contending as one man, for the faith of the gospel. The word here used contending is this word striving. That's the original Greek word, striving. And what Paul is saying here, Paul now is using this, this, this uh, um, uh, um, is shifting from the previous word, uh, um, conduct, which is like a sense of political word. Now shifting to an athletic word. And this is what Paul is saying, this word striving together or contending as one. Paul pictured the church as a team. He reminded them that it is teamwork that wins victory. Um, keep in mind that there were division in the church of Philippi, at Philippi. For one thing, the two women were not getting along with each other. We'll see that in chapter four, verse two. Apparently, the members of the fellowship were taking sides as, as, um, as is often the case, and the resulting the division was hindering the work of the church. The enemy is always happy to see us divided, the enemy is always happy to see us having internal divisions in, in the local church. The enemy's motto is divide and conquer, but Christ. Motto is unity, and this is why it's talking about teamwork. And John chapter 17, the priestly prayer Jesus said, I pray that they are one. <laughs> Woo! White, black, short, tall, brown, women, men, I pray that they are one. In other words, when you become a Christian, and this is the beauty of it, this this day on this Lord's Day, whether it be the white church, whether it be Spanish church, if they are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, we are one. Uh, That may not encourage you, but we are one. And, And what I love is the book of Hebrews talk about you have a cloud of witnesses. In other words, from eternity past to eternity future, you have people that, are, that have been in the faith with you that are praising God. Right now, Abraham is saying, Pastor Perry, preach the word. Moses is saying, boy, you better preach it. Because we are one. Striving together It is a concept. Here, here, this is what it is. Before you engage, when you are in, in, in sports, you are engaged individually. You are, going, you, you are doing your best that you can on your own. And Paul says, no, 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 no. No more individualism. Let us all come together. I was talking to one of my former youth in, 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 in New Jersey yesterday, and, in, and his team, the, the, the Colts. And I said, the best thing that they have is the offensive line and the running back. Yeah, Brian is watching. Um... I, I was um, and, and I said this: if you guys can't run the football, you're not gonna win. And the beauty about I don't know if you know football or not, but the beauty about an offensive line, those men have to be together to protect the quarterback. They have they have to be together to open to make space for the running back to ru- to run. In other words, what God is asking us to be is to be this offensive line together and to make space together for the gospel to move forward because the gospel is a touchdown ready to happen. So we must be one and we strive together for what? For the faith. For the faith. God never intended for the believers to be alone. His plan is that we should gather together in a church in order to strengthen and encourage each other. I know, I keep saying this every week. Y'all use COVID. No, you're missing out on the team. Don't use COVID to forfeit your spot on the team. Come back together. Come back together and be part of the team because you need to be. That's why Paul, That's why the, book of, the, the author of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. Because when you come together, have you ever been to church? Ooh, I feel like preaching there. Can I preach it the way I feel it? Have you ever come to church and you were down when you walk in the door? You were down in your car. You didn't feel like it. But you come to church and sister so-and-so who cannot sing, but she starts saying hallelujah, hallelujah, and jumping up and down. And then before you know it, it's as if like it's contagious. And you, you, you feel something in your spirit. You, you are rejuvenated. You are energized. And before you know it, you were, you were like, you went from like two. Before you know it, we have some church up in here. See, 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 that's the thing. When you come together, it's like this body of believers, when we are together, it's as if we are igniting one another. It's like the electricity is going through us because the Spirit of God is leading us and binding us together. We encourage one another. Um, Bees um, can show you something about teamwork. Um, On a warm day, about half of the bees in, the, in a hive stay inside, beating their wings, while the other half goes out, go out to gather pollen and nectar. Because of the beating of wings by the bees who stay inside, the temperature inside of the h- hives is about 10 degrees cooler than outside. The bees will take duties, and the bees that cool the hive in one day are honey-gatherers the next day. <laughs> you, woo. Um, in other words, if we work together, woo, can, can I say in Creole? In other words, when you cry, I cry. <laughs> when, when you are weak, I am strong. When I am when I am strong, when you, when you are when I am weak, you are strong. When I'm broke, you got it. You take care of me. When when, when you broke, I got it. I take care of you. And that's why if we are in this body, we should never have any problem. Because if we really together work as a team, we take care of one another. Oh, I, 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 I miss the church pre-COVID. You, you know, in this church, I, I grew up here. I, I got baptized here. I got saved here. I got married here. I, I remember my aunt moved to Port St. Lucie and I decided to stay back. The mothers of this church, every week, I never cook. I never cook. Oh, mommy, make me my legume. Settled. Make me my bouillon. Settled. Got my rice. Oh, every week they took care of me. The mother of the church. They took care of me because my aunt moved and I stay. I stay in the church. It's, I didn't miss my aunt because my church family took care of me. That's what we got to do. That's what the teamwork is all about. Um, we are citizens of heaven. And therefore, we should work consistently. We are members of the same team. And we should work together and teamwork. But there's a third one. The third one is we need confidence. you got to have confidence. And watch what Paul says in verse 20 through 30. It says this. It says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Uh, it says, this is a sign to them they will be destroyed, but that you will, we will be saved. And that by God, for it has been granted to you on, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And here, Paul said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because of your opponents. I mean, haters going to hate, right? I mean, that's what they do. The word Paul used here is a picture, and literally the Greek word is a picture of a horse shying away from battle. And to be sure, nobody blindly runs into a fight. But then, no true believer should deliberately avoid facing the enemy. Paul gave us some encouragement in there. Paul says this first. This is what Paul says. This is why you should not be afraid. It's a sign that you are saved. If you don't get no no if you don't get, if you don't have no haters coming your way, then <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something right with you? If you have nobody attacking you, if you have no the devils have agents. If his minions are not attacking you, then you are one of them. Paul said. Here, I'm not making this up. This is a sign that you, they will be destroyed and you will be saved. And that by God. In other words, when they start, when they start to attack you, it's a sign that you are, and you are on solid ground. We are standing on holy ground. You're standing on solid ground. And when you know you stand for Christ, no tornado. No 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 hurricane, no storm, no twister, no, no, no storm. Nothing can take you because your foundation, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and righteousness. I dare not trust the Switzer. My hope when you know who you are in Christ, you ain't afraid of nobody. You, 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 you understand you have an opponent. But you're not a friend. You know why? Because it says right here, I got the victory. Victory is yours. Because you know that you, that's a sign that you are saved. Oh, my brothers and sisters. If you live your Christian life and you got no struggle, because the enemy is always going to try to rob your joy. But the fact that you know on whose shoulder you stand. On whose shoulder you stand. then you know that you only winning. Not because of what you've done, but simply because of what he's done. And, 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 and the notion of this theology that you would not have struggle, you would not have thing, it's not biblical because John 16, says this, in this world you're going to have trouble you going to have trouble. I mean, this, this is not my words. Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. It, it says this, I have told you these, um, these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. <laughs> amen, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel like being back to Costa right now. Because Jesus overcome, I overcome. Amen. Because Jesus is, I am. Because of what he did, I can did you guys hear what I said? Because Jesus overcame, I overcome. Because of what Jesus did, I, uh, um, I can. Because of who he is, I am. Let me say it again one, one, one more time for, for, for station identification. Because Jesus overcame, I overcome. Because Jesus did, I can. Because he is, I am. In other words, it's simply I am who I am by the grace of God. And Paul didn't stop there. Paul now says this, count it a joy, like James, count it joy when you suffer. It says this, and here it is, it's in the text. I tell you, I'm a textual preacher. It says this, um, verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to suffer for him. Here, Paul simply says this, to suffer for Christ is a gift. Can you imagine the theology nonsense people are saying out there, well, it's, it's because you, you've done something wrong. It's because, no, no, no. Paul says to suffer for Christ is a gift. And, 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 and in fact, Paul is simply saying this, if we, were to, if we were suffering for ourselves, it would be no privilege. But because we are suffering for and with Christ, it is a high and holy honor. After all, he suffered for us. And a willingness to suffer for him is the very least we can do. To show our love and gratitude. When someone has been nice to you, you go out of your way to be nice to them. If Christ has suffered for you, y'all remember, they 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 pierce his side. They, they put the nails in his hands. They put the nails to his feet. But he, 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 he stayed on the cross. And he stayed there. And he, when he stood, when he stood, when he stayed at the cross, he took my sins, it took your sins, past, present, future, because of Christ, because he stayed there. He suffered for you and I. We are where we are today. We are where we are today. So the least we can do is suffer for him. And here's the thing, the notion of not suffering for Christ, it's it's, it's mind-blowing. Because you only hear temporarily. You only hear temporarily. This is not your home. This isn't your home. You hear temporarily, suffer for him. Suffering is a gift from Christ. For in the midst of suffering, it comforts us. Suffering is actually a gift from God. For in the midst of suffering, he enables us to rejoice. Suffering is a blessing because it brings eternal reward. God sees suffering as a tool to accomplish his purpose, both in Jesus and in us. Suffering matures us in the present. And last but not least, suffering enables us to be glorified in the future. You suffer for God here, (laughs) you will be glorified in heaven. You suffer for God here, you will be crowned in heaven. You suffer for God here, you get the word to hear, well done my son, well done my faithful servant. Suffer for Christ because it's a gift. James put it this way, count it all joy. When you face many trials and suffer for righteousness sake. How they all joy you, you, you know, the, the, the modern day Christian a, a little suffering. You, you, you now, oh, I'm afraid. No, suffer for Christ because He overcame and you can overcome. Um, when it comes to suffering, it says, Don't be afraid. It reminded me of Elijah, I- Elijah, because when we, we have to remember this, God will never. Live you, nor forsake you. And Elijah, Elijah, the great prophet in First Kings nineteen, the first eighteen verses, uh, uh, um, it, because this will give you this mindset. If you're in a situation where you feel that you, the only one standing true for God, and take heart because there's encouragement. In Elijah's story, the prophet had experienced the Lord's protection and miraculous provision, and he had just won a great victory over those who had led. God's people astray. But then when we find Elijah running for his life and sinking into despair, convinced that he was the only one of God's prophet who hadn't been destroyed by the enemy. After having exhibited great courage, he suddenly was overcome with fear. We may have a similar reaction. It may occur in the early stages of an unknown venture. or After a great success, suddenly we feel isolated vulnerable, alone and afraid but God came to Elijah but God, but God came to Elijah in his darkness moment and gave the fearful prophet a word of encouragement the Lord said to him, watch this (laughs) I have reserved 7,000 in Israel and all whose knees have not bowed to Baal in other words, when Elijah thought he was by himself mm -mm, God says, no, 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 no soldier, (laughs) soldier boy my army got 7,000 7, strong. 7,000 strong was ready to roll with you. So, see, see, actually, going through a spiritual conflict and saying that you are not alone. 7,000, God has His people everywhere in your job, in your neighborhood, in your dorming college, in, 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 in your apartment, and wherever you may be, you are never standing alone for Christ. Take courage. Other believers are in the same situation. And most importantly, God will never leave you alone. So, God gave us the strength we need to stand against the enemy. And the confidence is proof to him that he, the, the, to, to proof to the devil that he will lose once and for all. And we are on the winning side. We are on the winning side. They said Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player who ever lived. Um, he only won six championships, which means that every year that he played, he won a championship. Tom Brady lost a whole lot of championships, even though he won seven, I believe now. But the point I'm making to you is this. There's never a season. Listen, listen, get this in your spirit. There's never a season that you are with God that you will ever lose no matter the season whether it be singleness you can, you can lose brokenness you cannot lose a divorce you cannot lose uh, um, loss of a job you cannot lose loss of a family member you cannot lose uh, um, loss of loved ones you cannot lose uh, um, they may leave you, you you cannot lose because why if you are no matter no the matter seasons you find yourself into if you got God on your side he you never lose Jordan never win every season that he play Jeter never won every season that he played. Uh, um, Tom Brady never won every season that he played. But Jesus, my God, he's undefeated in every season. And every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. And that's why. I'm done. The, the three things that we, we got is that the, is teamwork, consistency, teamwork, and confidence. And how do you apply this? <laughs> Simply this. Constant communication, which means pray. Um... Um, shameless plug, every first Friday of the month, we have worship night. And you know what we're doing worship night? We pray to God and we sing to him. So con- con- constant communication, stay, pray, pray by yourself, pray together collectively. And, 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 more, and secondly, rely on the community, the local church. I told you about how the church mothers took care of me. When my aunt moved away, I told you that, right? So rely on the local community. And last, last but not least, <laughs> don't talk about it. Be about it. Be about it. I know. Don't say, I, I think I'm going to come to Bible study. No, no, come to Bible study. I think I'm going to come to church. No, no, come to church. I think I'm going to pray. No, no, pray. I think I'm going to read my Bible. No, 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 read your Bible. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Be about it. That's what it is. And so, I close. Whatever happens, a Christian should always act like a Christian. Let your behavior be such that it can identify with the gospel. That's what Paul says. Um, Someone asked Gandhi, what is the biggest challenge for for Christianity in India? You know what to replied? Christians, you are not in a playground. You are in a battleground. And praise be to God, we are not fighting to win. We are fighting from a winning position. So behave like it. God bless you.